with authority. Aloha! Welcome to the most muscles and show in various sports. This is ABC7 Sports. With authority. Back with a vengeance after the holiday break. We had a nice holiday break. It was very nice. <laughs> well, it wasn't like we weren't doing any work. We just weren't doing this work. And now we're back. We are in better shape. We've got some New Year's resolutions to mm -hmm. discuss. The great planking challenge of 2020. Which you guys can join us on if you want. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. No, yeah. it's painful. <laughs> it's, it is, it's going to get more painful every day. We should. You want to save the planking for later? No, let's just get right into get it. Get right into Right it. into New Year's resolutions. Okay. Um, do you make resolutions? I often do. This year, I actually didn't make very many. So I will run down a very fast list. Okay. Rule number one, resolution number one. I wanted to stop using one-use cups. Ah, ah. Seriously. Oh, oh, I Every thought... day I would show up to work and fill up like a, right, uh, right. you know, they're environmentally friendly cups still, but I would drink my coffee, I would throw it away, I would come in, do it every day. So I was like, we need some, some permanent-use mugs. So we got some mugs with this show logo on them. Mm -hmm. So that was resolution number one, which has been going strong. I filled up with coffee when I get here, and then water throughout the rest of the day. That's that's number one. And vodka at the end of the yes, shift. or before the podcast. Or before the podcast. I'm with you on that also uh, because uh, ABC Seven anchor Ahmed Dates publicly shamed me into using uh, a mug instead of, and, and we we should all be. Let, let's try to save the planet, even though. I mean, we have a lot more to do to try to save the planet. Mm -hmm. I don't think just the two of us are going to get it done. But if everybody buys in, then we could at least make some progress. Get, yeah. get the plastic out of the ocean. Every little dry. bit helps. Yes. And then the other two resolutions we have, one, uh, being more active. So after the 6 o'clock news, we now power up Quay Tower and then back down. Now, now there's going to be a mob and it, of people. <laughs> it'll be like Rocky when you're waiting, going up the stairs. Waiting and for us. The whole crowd of people running or behind to, us. Or to ambush us. <laughs> or to or ambush now, us. Now the, they know where the prey is. So they Except know where the... we have a head start on you. So our cardio and our fitness, yeah, you, it would right. be tough to take us down. And then, as you mentioned, you could tell them about the plank challenge, which is another resolution we have. Just yeah. ridiculous We resolution. used to do a bunch of push-ups between shows, and then we got up to like 70, 75 push-ups. Per set. Shot. Right. Yeah. And then we both got hurt. Yeah, <laughs> wrists, <laughs> elbows, uh, everything. Every, every, We're going bad. Every injury we had. <laughs> uh, so now this year, is, it's the, the great... Plank off? I don't know what we're calling. <laughs> Be careful now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the goal, we start at two minutes, which is already hard for a lot of people to get to a two-minute plank. And it was Casey's idea to add five seconds per day to the length of the plank. So to 10, to 15, to 20. And so we're going to be up to an hour really fast. <laughs> I think the, No, I think the goal is... Uh, to get up to four minutes is our is our goal for the year. And maybe we'll eclipse that. Who knows? But when we had Kalena Azubuki on this very show, he was a big plank guy, and he, he does crazy yes, amounts of yes. planks. So shout out Kalena, kind of giving me the idea, let's try to up our plank game in 2020. He also claims that he doesn't do any bicep curls, but his arms are bigger than Schwarzenegger in his prime. 24-inch so, pythons, exactly. brother. All right, so that's that's the New Year's stuff. And you said we're back with a vengeance. We'll see if the Niners are bringing the vengeance on Saturday against the Vikings. First playoff game at Levi's Stadium. First playoff game for one Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and I agree with a sentiment he had made this week in that while this is his first playoff experience, 
as a starter, obviously. Well, he um, watched. Tom yeah, he Brady watched a lot of win games. Super Bowls. But you know, you got to think that that game. I mean, the first time they faced the Seahawks, very much a playoff atmosphere. When they beat the Saints, very much a playoff atmosphere. Before they beat the Saints in the Superdome, they had that game in Baltimore in the rain where they lost by a late field goal. Right. That was a playoff atmosphere. And then again, hanging on to the bitter end against the Seahawks to clinch home field and the bye and everything. Again, crazy playoff atmosphere. So if I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo in his performance, I'd say he's already battle-tested. These aren't playoff games, but that is about as close as you're going to get. Would you say about Jimmy G based on his performance, I think it was 18 of 22 against the, uh, was it the Seahawks? Would you say... You like that? Which is <laughs> <laughs> a Kirk Cousins reference. Yes. Who was to be the heir apparent to the Niners quarterback thrown at one point it's in time. It's pretty interesting how this has worked out, given that Kyle Shanahan, uh, head coach of the 49ers, when he took over, his idea was, because of their time together with the Redskins, that he could lure Kirk Cousins as a free agent, and it appeared as though his time with the Redskins was growing short, as it was. He ended up getting that whole guaranteed deal from the Vikings, which... They may or may not be in love with from a contractual standpoint and commitment. And then one day, Bill Belichick sent a little text <laughs> yes. to, uh, to Shanahan, and, uh, and the Jimmy Garoppolo deal was done for only a second rounder, which is like a gift. That's almost like a Christmas gift right now. Getting it really that was. Type of, that, what we think is going to be an elite-level quarterback. And these are defining games, so we'll know. Uh, one more thing on Jimmy G, because I know you've been doing some Jimmy G research, but uh, Tim Kawakami in The Athletic unearthed something that I thought was pretty interesting because there's a zillion meetings. If you were go to, to look at the team schedule every day, I mean, there's uh, team meetings, there's position meetings, and on and on and on and on. The coaches have their own separate meetings. And as it turns out, uh, Tim learned that Garoppolo, on the side, conducts his own meeting with offensive players this and it's like coaches we got this uh you guys go go look at your own film and so he'll talk with george kill what are you like what are you seeing because they're all looking at tape every week and they're, they're analyzing uh, their opponents and so he's meeting with all those guys the receivers and finding out hey what routes do you personally think it's one thing what kyle says and the, you know they have a, obviously a game plan but one of the key things that was in Tim's story in The Athletic was that uh, the play on which Kyle Juszczyk got free for that, I think it was like a 45-yard gain, was a byproduct of a conversation in the meeting where uh, Juice said, hey, it looks like I'm going to take this inside up the seam. Instead, I'm going outside. You and I will be the only two that know it, but just know when you see me run that route, I'm going I'm going to take it outside. And that's where he threw the ball, and it turned out to be a huge gain. I mean, well, one, just to have the onus of leadership in to do a meeting like that, it's a really cool thing to hear. Also, that's a thing that really only works on a winning team, I think. If you're a bad football team and you're having your own players-only strategic meetings aside well, from the coaching well, staff, yeah. I think that's going to torpedo quickly. Well, there's a connotation to players-only meetings. It usually follows a five-game losing streak yeah. or something. Yeah, we gotta, but usually it's just a rallying the troops yeah. thing, not a weekly like planning session. Right. No, but this is the way it was described. It was like 10 or 15 minutes. Just get the guys together. What do you like? What do you like? Let's look at some film. Here's what I see that we can exploit. In addition to, obviously, you know Kyle Shanahan and his offensive staff. And kudos to them. Well, yeah. Because to have the confidence to yeah. allow this to happen and encourage it, 
it shows a lot. It shows a lot about Kyle Shanahan's leadership and trust. Absolutely. So we'll see how this plays out, but a lot of pressure and Levi's Stadium. Uh, we'll, we'll see for the first time because they haven't had a playoff game in that facility. We saw when it was Alabama-Clemson. It was big yeah. time. We were down on the field for the Seahawks game, uh, decided in overtime. It was loud. It, it was. was rock. It was exactly what you would want in a quote-unquote home field advantage situation. We'll see. Saturday afternoon, uh, the fans will be a little less lubricated, if you will. Uh, I'm sure they'll be just well, fine. Well, by, <laughs> by the end of the game, we'll see. But uh, you know, as opposed to a night game where everybody has time to, to tailgate properly. Well, there's two things about the, the game time and date. Now, for me, the Saturday slot isn't like the marquee slot. But for the 49ers, it's a gift because they have the bye week. Right. So since they didn't have to play last week, playing on Saturday is not that big of a deal. For the Vikings, they get one less day of preparation after coming off a game on the road in, in New Orleans. So actually, this really benefits the 49ers, this Saturday game, the first, day, the, the first uh, game of the day. I think that's huge for them, especially knowing now that you have guys on the Vikings that have illnesses. Stephon Diggs hasn't even practiced this week yet. Uh, as we is record he, is this. Is he really sick or just pouting? He's pouted a lot this year. Yeah. And then Adam Thielen, who's a huge part of their team, has an injured ankle. He hurt it at practice. So now he has one less day to get ready for this game on Saturday. So I think that's a huge, huge aspect of the Niners' advantage here. Well, just think about the importance of getting the one seed and those whatever it was. Three By the skin of their teeth. Six inches on the <laughs> last play up in Seattle yeah. in the regular season finale. That's the difference between having like 13 days off or being the Vikings and having to fly to New Orleans, play that game, fly back home, prep, oh, and on a shorter week because you have to play on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. So every bump and bruise that you might get an extra 24 hours to heal, you, you don't get that time. So it, it does... It does give the Niners an advantage, but the, it, that doesn't mean this is a cakewalk by any means. I know you want to go position group by position group and do a little contrast and compare. Yeah, I mean, we could whip through it real quick. Yeah. Obviously, it's fun to start at quarterback because it's what could have been versus what you have now. I think I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo over Kirk Cousins. And this doesn't necessarily apply here, but there was a really interesting stat I saw with Kirk Cousins when they lost to the Packers one of the last weeks of the season. Um, Cousins is a creature of habit. Like, he's a very um, formulaic guy in his approach. He wants everything to be structured in exactly the same way, at the same time, at the same day, and he has everything really mapped out to a T. Like, he's mm -hmm. even a guy that has a photo of every media member on the, the, the Vikings um, beat that he studies to make sure he knows who each person is. Like, he's very, very detail-oriented. So when you take him out of his routine, he's got a horrible record. That's why I think he was 0-9 on Monday Night Football in his career. Right, primetime games. Yeah, playing a night game screws up his entire routine. So I don't know what playing on a Saturday morning is going to do to his routine, but he's very, very routine-based. It gets him all out of whack when anything is not normal. Hmm. All right, interesting. So that could be an interesting thing to look at on a week in which they're playing less a day and playing on a Saturday morning cross-country. Well, Saturday morning, you mean body clock time for exactly. the Vikings because yeah. it's a one thirty-five kickoff here? Yeah. Interesting. So that could be something. I mean, but that's just one weird little aspect of Cousins that I think is worth monitoring. You had the sack totals mm -hmm. because we were trying to compare offensive lines. I, I think Kirk Cousins, the knock on him is that he has been unable to win the big game. And then he won last week. Right, so. right. Okay, so 
Are you are you buying Kirk Cousins at this point? I, I still think there are plenty of other quarterbacks that I would rather have. I, when I look at him, I think he he's okay, but he needs a lot of other people around him to be successful, as most quarterbacks do. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Tom Brady, you could argue the greatest of all time. Patriots had no weapons at wide receiver. They never got another tight end after Gronk, and they're out after one playoff game. But I still I just like Jimmy G a little bit more. I think his upside is higher. We have yet to see that because this is the first go-around for him in this situation. The one thing that that is a concern is the Vikings' front seven can wreck the game. They can wreck the game. And so, uh, you know, you got Daniil Hunter and, I mean, the Vikings' Everson Griffin, uh, their linebacker Eric Kendricks, who, who's been a little bit banged up with a quad situation, but the 49ers have to figure out a way to effectively run the ball. I was going to get to the sack totals mm-hmm. because of, that, of the strength of the front seven. I think you said it was a 24, 25 sacks on the season for Jimmy G, was something like that. Yeah, I looked up the numbers. I didn't write it down, but the Vikings had allowed less sacks than the 49ers have this season. So the offensive line plays a little bit to the Vikings' strength and versus of, the Niners' offense. Part line. of that is because Garoppolo holds yeah. the ball for a long time. And it, to me, you're watching the game, and it just gets uncomfortable. Like, throw it! I mean, <laughs> but, you know, he has to wait on some routes. It just seems like he's he's more comfortable sitting in the pocket as things are collapsing than we are watching him as things collapse. Yeah. So I, I think that's a key. To me, that's where this game is going to be won or lost with the front sevens, uh, both sides. I think defensively, you know, you look at the return of D Ford. Huge return. The bookend situation with Nick Bosa. I just love that attack. They I have. Just, so do I. And unlike a Russell Wilson or some of the other mobile quarterbacks, you saw what Deshaun Watson did last week, you know, Houdini basically to win the game. Kirk Cousins is not that guy, does not have that skill set. So he's gonna drop back and set pretty much where he's gonna be. And I think that that works in the Niners' favor. And we're, you know, we don't even talk. Eric Armstead has had a terrific season. Uh, DeForest Buckner as well. And so I think the 49ers, and look at this. I mean, you got Quan Alexander with an it's injury that's supposed to take three to six months to heal. Three on the on the short side. J.J. Watt has come back from the same thing, a torn pectoral uh, muscle. And he's back a little over two months, it seems. I mean, he's really pushing it. So we'll see just how effective he can be for the 49ers, but everybody's saying, what did they describe today? Legendary. Legendary returns is how they put it, yeah. because That was what Fred Warner said, legendary, because when you get D. Ford back, you get Quan Alexander back, you got Tart, you got all these guys now that are, it's like an insurgence of, of help defensively that, you know, really when we saw the Niners decimate Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, after that, they've been giving up a lot of points. Yeah. So I want to see them round back into form and be the dominant defensive team. Now, going back to Jimmy G to round out the quarterback conversation, this stat actually came from Chris Biederman, one of my one of my good buddies. He's on the Niners beat, Sacramento B. Shout out. So 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, seven games before the Emmanuel Sanders trade, 90.8 passer rating, 7.87 yards per attempt, seven touchdown passes. Ten games after Sanders, 108.1 rating, 8.62 yards per attempt, 20 touchdown passes. So having that additional target in Sanders has really helped him. Well, he's your number one receiver, and he was from the second he walked in the door. I also think the emergence of Debo Samuel, yes, rookie, who in the early stages was hardly involved in the game plan, 
and now the 49ers are doing everything they can to get him the ball. I mean, he, he can be a special player once he's got the ball in his hands, whether it's on a reverse, however they want to hand it to him. I think they line him up in the backfield a few times as well. So I think the two of them together give the Niners weapons that they really didn't have early in the season. When Remember, I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were wondering, well, well, Marquise Goodwin, what is he going to bring to the table? Yeah. Dante Pettis. These guys are not even in the equation mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, and I mean, we're kind of dovetailing into receivers, so we can just jump right into sure. that. But, I mean, you can look at the Niners and go, what is your priority? You want to take away Kittle. I mean, you want to take away the run game. You want to take away Sanders. And then here's Debo Samuel jumping out at you. So I think that helps them. But, I mean, if I had to pick, I'm taking Thielen and I'm taking Diggs over the Sanders-Samuel combination any day. Now, the injury factor here with the Diggs illness and the Thielen new ankle injury, that might even that up a bit. This was, to me, the biggest strength the Vikings had over the Niners. Yeah, I mean, Kittle is obviously better than Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, but that'd be a different category. That's our tight end talk. I'm just looking at at receivers in general, and I think when healthy, Diggs and Thielen, they're just more proven commodities. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... Still, I, I think the 49ers pass, pass rush has the ability to negate those big plays oh, yeah. down the field. And Absolutely. So to me, that's that's where the game is going to be won or lost. Niners pass rush, can the Vikings deal with that? And conversely, can the 49ers offensive line, which is, well, is as healthy as it's going to be at this point, can they hold up against the Vikings and what they're going to bring? So. To me, that's the game right there. Yeah, and I would have to take the Niners' side of things because if you look at what they've done to pocket passers this year, I mean, aside from Drew Brees, who gets the ball out crazy fast, they've pretty much eaten him alive. I mean, again, just going back to that game where they just decimated Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the best to ever play the game, you have to like their chances against Kirk Cousins, especially with the influx of new defensive players coming in. Now, this could be an actually a very uh, interesting conversation at running back because... Going into the year, give me Dalvin Cook all day, every day. Dalvin Cook is legit. I mean, he's a very good running back. The Vikings are going to want their offense to run through Dalvin Cook in this game and every game pretty much when he's healthy. Now, recently he was hurt. He missed several games. He's obviously back now. Um, But if you compare him to what Mostert's doing, it's actually a far more interesting conversation than you would have anticipated, especially coming into this year. Well, part of the reason is because Dalvin Cook is their featured back for Minnesota. The 49ers have running back by committee, Mm -hmm. and we thought for a while Tevin Coleman was going to be the guy. Yeah, he came out strongest at the beginning. Or Matt Breida was going to be the guy. He didn't get any time. I mean, he was supposed to be the guy. He's been hurt. He's had a variety of injuries. And now Mostert has kind of come out of nowhere and just emerged as the most dangerous threat out of the backfield. So... You know, 49ers have more of a, a three-headed monster. I still would probably give the the edge to Dalvin Cook just because he's a, he's a pain to try to tackle, and he's just one of those guys who's who's dangerous. And it's you know the way the NFL is going. I mean, we saw it a, a couple of years ago with Todd Gurley, and most teams just don't do that anymore mm-hmm. because you see what Todd Gurley you can't survive long as a running back in the NFL and so teams end up going with you know three or four players in the in the backfield it's not necessarily always ideal uh, and it's certainly a, a departure from what traditional NFL football was all about where you know I'm, I got my guy yeah you're bell cow right exactly. three yards in yeah, a cloud of yeah, dust yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I, I still would give the edge to Dalvin Cook there. Check this out, though. I'm going to go with Mostert, and here's why. Okay. Okay. So Mostert has registered at least one rushing touchdown in each of the final six games of the 2019 season, which is legit. He's the third player in franchise history, first since 95, to score at least one rushing touchdown in six or more consecutive games. The 49ers, offensively, I believe they've rushed for more touchdowns than any team in the NFL. And what he's been doing lately is spectacular. Then you add in what you can get out of the other guys. And I think that I like the 49ers running game more. Mostert's been absolutely fantastic. Like, if you just took the last few weeks, Mostert is in a landslide because Cook barely played at all. Right. But, I mean, just based on what he's been doing, he's been a force for them. And I actually really liked Mostert this season. Um, You know, when I would watch him run, this is even early on before he was but a blip in the radar – he just looked so much more powerful. He looked like he had so much more burst every time he came out of the backfield. And I saw a number two. I didn't write this one down. You'll have to bear with me. But I think it was a stat where they said Dalvin Cook hits the line of scrimmage at an average of like 10 miles per hour, which was one of the highest marks in the NFL. And they said Mostert did it at 11. Like he actually okay. hits it even quicker, which is crazy. He runs hard. Yeah. I mean, that guy's got burst. No question. All right. So – we might as well just skip tight end. Yeah, I know. Uh, George Kittle. <laughs> yeah. George the Animal Kittle. Or I'll take George. Cold George the Animal Kittle. Okay. Who has been on this very podcast. Yes. Fantastic individual. He, he was. He, the Joker. He's, he's pancaking people out there. And laughing it's the whole time. Funny. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Uh, we, we haven't talked much about the secondary. I thought it was interesting that uh, Kello Withers- Witherspoon told reporters that, yeah, I'm starting, mm-hmm. even though he was benched. Um, not long ago, and that that opposite corner outside, uh, you know, on the other side of Richard Sherman has been a consistent source of concern for the 49ers. It's good that they're going to get safety Jaquaski tart back. Mm-hmm, that helps. And, and so the defense, again, they're all healthy, but you know that if anybody's going to be targeted, it's not going to be to Richard Sherman's side. Although, I, you know, it's not like the old Deion Sanders days where, you okay, he, this guy's got half the field. Yeah. It's not quite like that. But if there is a perceived weak link, it's going to be that opposite side corner. And we'll see how um, Weatherspoon holds up. And who's Sherman really going to be on? Because if you look at Diggs, Diggs is obviously more of a deep threat, but Thielen's more of a slot guy, right? He'll be all over the place. So I could see them feeding him a lot, but I, I just don't know what they'll do in coverage. Yeah, and, and Minnesota, their secondary is kind of banged up. Uh, Xavier Rhodes appeared to injure his shoulder. And he hasn't been as good as he used to be. No. I mean, he was a stud before. I and don't think he's quite the status of uh, of elite player that he once was. And, yes, I did see him on the sideline in that game against the Saints. So banged up. Even one injury, and I think uh, Trey Waynes also uh, is a little nicked up. That could be key for the 49ers to take advantage of that secondary, again, if GVG has time to throw. And so, that again, that to me, that's where the whole game is going to be won or lost. But if you get the ball in Kittle's hands, I could see a status where Kittle is just pounding the Vikings who are worn down late in the game and no one wants to even touch him as he's charging at them like because he's coming right at you. And that's actually funny because he talked about this the other day when I was out at practice where – a lot of guys on the 49ers now are playing like him. Like, they want to run right at your face. That's what Mostert's been doing. That's what Kittle does. That's his hallmark. And so I think that the Niners have become a far more tough team. They're not like a finesse team anymore. They're in there trying to knock you out on offense even. And so I like that strategy in them. Um, 
I'm going to go defense, obviously, Niners. I'll go secondary Niners. I'll go defensive front Niners. I mean, really? I, think this right. is I think Minnesota might have – well, I don't know. I, I think this is a low-scoring game. I like the under in this one. It's at 45. Yeah. I I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think the Niners are going to put up some points. I think they're, they're likely to give up some points. Um, 31-17. Interesting. San Francisco. That would still uh, like that. Yeah, that'd be, that be, that'd, be, that'd be the over. That'd be the over. I know most out. people are leaning toward the under. Yeah. And most statistical models are, you know, if you believe whatever algorithm you put your faith in, um, most of them, and the Niners are seven-point favorites. So I, I would give the seven, and we'll wow, see. Wow, yes. It is a seven-point uh, spread here that the Niners are giving up. So check this out. One last thing. 49ers yeah. defense. They held opponents to 169.2 net passing yards per game in 2019 ranking first in the NFL. That was the last stat I had written down. I had written down a bunch of random numbers. Okay. That was it. So um, what, what are you calling in terms of the, the number? I could see this being a low-scoring game. I could also see this being a game where the Niners defensively just decimate the Vikings, kind of like they did to the Packers. Um, I just don't know how Kirk Cousins would stand up to the, the pass rush they're going to have. Um, although we've talked about this guy a lot, maybe not on the podcast, but DJ Jones being out, yeah, that guy was that guy was fantastic. Yeah, he was huge. He could move. He was a force. So I don't know that they've really been the same since he's been out. But also at the same time, D Ford went out. So was it mostly Ford that we've been missing, or DJ Jones? Obviously, having both of them would be dynamic. But um, we'll see. We'll see if that. Return at D Ford is what really fixes them up. I wanted to talk about something pertaining to the 49ers. This is like a totally unseen, unheard. I haven't even really seen anyone really talk about this. But I was out at practice last week, and it kind of just jumped off the page at me. So all the beat writers on the uh, 49ers side, uh, led by Matt Mayoko, just a fantastic beat writer for NBC Sports Bay Area, um, they present one player each year with the Gary Nivers Award. It's basically like the player that's a good guy to the media. Okay. And so the recipient this year was Richard Sherman, who's just been fantastic. He really sets the tone for everybody in there. But what I thought was really fun was sitting in the media room while they were all voting and trying to figure out who deserved the votes. And it was like there were so many guys that could have won it. And I started like noticing, like, like well, George Kittle okay. could have easily won it. Um, Sherman won it. I mean, I think Bosa was getting votes. Staley's always good. Staley, with Staley, I think was one of the top finishers. So it was an interesting situation where you start realizing this isn't your 49ers of the past. Your Jim Harbaugh 49ers. Your Alden Smith 49ers. Oh. I mean, do you remember how much trouble those teams were in at all times? I mean, it was constant suspensions, constant issues, and I'm not even talking just Alden Smith. Like, they're always having issues with players. Yeah, I mean, I just look at it from the, the media standpoint. I think Harbaugh's approach was to not reveal anything, and he tutored Colin Kaepernick on that. Well, that was brutal, too, in a different way, but he wasn't getting in trouble with the law. No, no, I'm not talking about that. Your overall point is they have a lot of good guys, this good citizens. This team is not only good on the football field, it's full of good citizens. And going around and talking to the players and dealing with them on a day-to-day -day basis, like the beat writers do, to a less extent us, because we only get out there as much as we can, uh, you see it. It jumps out. These guys are all super approachable. 
They're super nice. They get along extremely well. And I think that that goes a long way for this franchise. You look at what George Kittle told us about Jimmy G. Just like the very first time he spoke, everyone jumped up and listened. Like he commanded the attention of everybody. But he doesn't come in there like an arrogant, star, high-paid quarterback. Like Sherman was just saying the other day that he's extremely approachable. He's at every team event. Like he doesn't think he's bigger than anybody on that roster. He's like, if we're having like a charity pizza party, like we're there, Jimmy's there. Like they're all there. Mm. And so I start seeing a trend developing in the team that these guys are all young. They're all super nice. They're all super easy to deal with. They're not getting in trouble. They're crazy committed to the game and the playbook. And I just think the Niners have something really good going right now. And this part of it, you don't really see or hear much of. Well, it's interesting. So is it your premise that having a bunch of good citizens leads to wins on the field as opposed to more That's criminals? not always the case. More criminals? That is definitely not always the <laughs> That's case. That's my point. But, just... but when you have the winning on the field plus the positive locker room, the positive role models in there, and again, the winner of the Gary Niver Award was Richard Sherman, and it starts with him. Right. He came in there, and he is the most professional guy you're ever going to see in a locker room, on a football field. The dude is his own agent. Right. He's incredibly smart. That He's incredibly really well talented. Him, yeah. And so you see the tone that a guy like Sherman sets. Like, go in that locker room. We used to talk about this with the Warriors all the time, too. You can't be a malcontent and show up in the Warriors locker room with a Steph Curry in there and not be in line with his approach to the game. Like, the guys they have in there right now, the George Kittles, just a fantastic, fun, loving, great dude. Um, the Jimmy G's, leader by example, approachable, friendly, like committed to every team function. A Richard Sherman who just comes in there, the most professional, sound, nice, quality human being. You have those kind of leaders on a team, and you're not going to stray far. Well, I think it was Steve Kerr. It might have been Bob Myers as well. I know this is something they agree upon. Not apples to apples because the basketball team, you have 15 guys. NFL, you got a 53-man roster. But their rule with the Warriors is you can survive one knucklehead. Yeah, and, yes. and you can kind of assimilate him and get him out of the knucklehead mold. And I think like when the Warriors took on JaVale McGee a few years ago. Or Swaggy P. He, yeah, I mean, these guys were perceived as knuckleheads around the league. And we're look at JaVale now with the Lakers. I mean, he's he's totally remade his image mm -hmm. but the concern was if you have two knuckleheads and they start hanging out together yes. then it's then it just infects the whole team so you can only live with one now i don't know what the the numbers are on a 53 man roster but it's got to be a larger tolerance yeah, you have for knuckleheads, more knuckleheads. <laughs> um, i you know this will sound terrible but I, I think you do need a little bit of a thuggish mentality in the NFL. You need if you well on the field. Fifty three milk drinkers doesn't win it for me. Well, George uh, Kittle may be a milk drinker on the field, but he's going to rip your head off. Well, he's or, uh, off the field, but he's, he'll rip your head off on the field. He's insane. I mean, he's uh, he's definitely that. He's need, the Joker. Yeah, you need that slightly deranged element. So I think they have it on the field, but off the field, I see a team that gets along extremely well, hangs out together, uh, and just is led by truly good leaders of men and that's one of the hallmarks of the Warriors success that you like you brought up you know and it started from the top down with the lake of ownership with the Welts president with Bob Myers Steve Kerr Steph Curry I mean these guys were all such quality human beings 
and on the court they dominated but I think that that lends to a long-term success then that's a trend that I was noticing with the 49ers when I was there. Well, that was a lengthy soliloquy, uh, but I still haven't heard you give me a score. I said 31-17-Niners. <laughs> that was about a six-minute uh, detour. You, you just call the game, will you? What, what, what's the give number? Me like a, give me a 20-17. Give me a 20, give me like a 24 to Seven. I could even twenty-four to seven. Oh, so you think the Vikings are yeah. going to do nothing? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. Uh, the Vikings get shut down. I think they have offensive weapons. I don't want to come in here and go. Oh man, they're so lucky they got the Vikings instead of the Seahawks or Eagles. I think the Vikings are a good team. I think they're actually a lot similar to the Niners the way they want to play the yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. Um, with that. They have good weapons at receiver. They got a great running back. They have a good quarterback. They have a good defense, but. I don't know, man. It's something about the pocket passers and the Niners' pass rush. Unless you're Drew Brees getting it out in a millisecond or Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson scrambling all over the place, you're toast. As Shaq would say, he's back there like barbecued chicken. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> if they shut him down early and then the uh, – the If cur- they can't establish a running game and yeah. then go play action off of that – it's going to be very hard for the Vikings. And then you'll start seeing the Kirk Cousins, oh, no, I can't win the big game. I'm out of my element. Oh, no. And then All right, so you're saying, what, torpedo. what do you say, 24-7? Yeah, give said? me 24-7. Okay, so that's, you're taking the under. The, the, I'm taking the, the under. Okay. I think the Niners win. I think it's a fairly comfortable win, but okay. not a high-scoring game. All right. That's my prediction. That's fair. Will I be right? I'm often wrong. <laughs> that's what I got. All right. Well, that'll do it. That's it. That's it for this weekend. And... Next episode coming up, the great Harlem Globetrotters. The Globies. The Globies. Back in here. We won't kick their butts this time. In mini-who. Yes. You know, my Achilles is feeling better. It is. (laughs) We have dominated the Globetrotters year after year on our mini-hoop, and I think that this year we'll cut them some slack. Let them off the hook. I don't know. I mean, we just... We'll see. It's not fair. It's not a fair... It's like them challenging us to a dunking contest. This just is not fair. It's not <laughs> no. going to work out well for us. I think we would lose really fast. Yeah, very quickly. Unless, like, maybe I was on your shoulders. I'll, I'll just take my H. <laughs> I'll take my O. I'll take my R. Anyway. anyway. All right. So that's a wrap. Save the environment. Yes. Buy Get a, yourself some mugs. We should be marketing these. Uh, some with authority mugs. With, author- with our likeness on there for those. Send me are- a send me a tweet and I will uh, help line you up with some with authority mugs. We got to so get save gotta, the environment. That, that should be one of our giveaway items. We went a whole year promising <laughs> swag. We still have all the we swag. Have, uh, no, it's all. In the we office. just have lawyers in yeah. addition to the swag, and yeah, that's the problem. No, but it's all set. We could we could yeah. we could push go on this at any point so we're it's going to happen in 2020 i'm confident along with a four minute plank you want this pod used mug it's it's like a game worn jersey well it's about as elite as that all right how can they listen or watch uh you can watch anytime on youtube if you're listening to us you can also watch us and see these beautiful beautiful mugs they deserve a close-up yes we're on itunes we're on spotify we're on soundcloud we're on google play uh, we're on abc7news.com slash with authority. We're everywhere you want us. With mugs. With mugs. And with that, we say aloha. With authority.